Hi, and welcome to another session of Fortinet Live. My name is Jonathan Nguyen, and today we're going to talk about hybrid threats, the threat environment today, security operations, the value of AI, and all the things that are going to be buzzwords at this week's uh, DEF CON and podcast. <laughs> and so joining me today is my colleague, David Finger. How are you, David? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I didn't make it out to Vegas for this one, but hopefully next year. Yeah, you know, Vegas in August, when it's so hot that the sagebrush spontaneously combusts, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a charming time of the year to be in Vegas, in fact. I hear it's lovely. So <laughs> with that, let's talk about what's clearly in everybody's mind today. There have been all manner of, of ransomware attacks, attacks against every part of critical national infrastructure in the news lately. You know, what, do you, what are your thoughts about this ransomware or the types of APTs that, that are making headlines in the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, it's obviously uh, easy to assert that, well, things are more sophisticated than ever, and that's why we're continuing to see the incidents. And, you know, I, we could pretty much say that every year. I think what stands out to me anyway is just the way that these organizations seem to be seeking out um, sort of the supply chains or the, the ways to compromise one to reach the many. Um, yeah. doesn't mean that it's never happened before, but it just it seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent and they're making a conscious effort to, to really get the biggest bang for their buck, so to speak. But but I'm kind of curious, is that what, what's your sense? I, I think it points out a couple of things. It points out that we are more interconnected than ever before. Uh, second, it demonstrates that a lot of the structural issues that we saw leading up to this point really haven't been addressed. The lack of visibility, the lack of integration, the lack of automation, those are all the hallmarks of how you can exploit a zero day, like in the, in the news, and then transmit really known malware, but have a series of cascading effects across the industry. And so I, I think what, what makes the news is that, but what really tells me is that as an industry, we still haven't addressed those structural issues uh, to get our arms around security. The fact that we still see 99% of all the exploits were known for at least a year, meaning that signatures were available, right? And so I think in the aftermath of that last large attack uh, through the ser service provider chain, you know, it was demonstrated that the zero day exploit Yes, it's true, but the malware that was actually sent through that service provider into their supply chain really was already known. So had you been a Fortinet, FortiGuard Labs uh, customer, you were already protected by that, right? So I think there's some good news in there, but it still shows that we still have a, a, a bit of a ways to go, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, so, you know, what are your thoughts with regards to to that situation and its implications for security operations? Or do you think that, that there are some insights there that can be gained? Yeah, I think that you raised a good point about that interconnectedness. And I'll just, you know, go you one further and extend that to, you know, not only is there a lot of interconnectedness, but there's really no such thing as a, a trusted application. Oh, right, that service provider was pushing it out through the RMM tool, so it must be okay. Again, not to pick on that incident, but you know whether it's it's that one or there's no such thing as a trusted file location or a trusted third party or trusted set of credentials that you know, oh yeah, that's okay. We just let that go even though it looks you know odd. To your point about security operations function, we really do need to, I know there's a lot of noise out there and you're looking to sort of constrain the amount of information you need to look at. But if things look off, yeah. I just don't think you can really say, oh, it must be okay because it was in XYZ location or XYZ individual. 
Yeah, I think from a security operations side of the house, it points out to a couple of things. Uh, that one, security shouldn't be bolted on. And, and I mean by that, security shouldn't begin once the application goes into production, right? So we should be definitely be leveraging like FortiGuard Labs and artificial intelligence to move detection to the far left as possible of the detonation of the boom, right? And so that means to me, leveraging AI during the DevOps period. So that from the time that application's being developed, you know, you're leveraging AI, like through our capabilities here at Fortinet, to inspect the application, to detect the vulnerabilities, and develop mitigations for that way before it ever goes into production. And then once it goes into production, you're leveraging AI on those very mature prevention stacks to ensure that no new vulnerabilities are detected, no new exploits, you know, you're protected against those things. And then it goes entirely through the application lifecycle. So I think it points out the needs for security before things go into production. That's one. Uh, the second aspect is, of course, from a security operations side of the house, is that a lot of these high-profile attacks leverage times when people aren't working. Like in this sure. case, it was July 4th weekend, right? And so I think it reinforces the idea that security is not a DIY exercise. <laughs> it certainly isn't. Right? Certainly never sleeps. Because I wrote that blog that, that's that July 3rd, Saturday, and, and I remember that very well. But it also points out the need to have visibility on the LAN, WAN, data center, and cloud edge. And so while AI is really helpful to the left of the detonation, having AI throughout you know, that the defense and depth stack really goes a long way. But unless it's integrated, I'm not seeing the, the great benefits against these types of attacks, right? Yeah, and you know, to your point about uh, you know AI is a much used term, but I think the, the fundamental principle of leveraging machine processing and advanced analytics, regardless of which ones you use and which bucket they fall into in terms of you know the math and science behind it, definitely giving our security operators a, a machine-based lift and being able to yeah. throw a lot of horsepower right at it for the front-end function not to take our human operators out of the equation because at the end of the day, right, they do have the eyes on glass that are required and, you know, to really dig in and leverage their expertise. But let's, man, what a thankless job alert triage is. And the more that we can, you know, throw horsepower at it and reserve our, you know, experts for really the high value stuff, the better. I think that's key. I mean, I think the, the research suggests today that the average U.S. enterprise has some 50 to 68 different security products and at least 20 different management consoles, right? So the idea that you're going to find enough people who are trained in 50 to 60 products and that you're going to have eyes on glass and monitor across all these management consoles to properly ensure that things are properly configured and patched is unrealistic. And so throwing AI to help humans grapple that is, is great but also having a properly configured internally segmented firewall is a great compensating control. Because one thing I've learned as an operator is that having something like that Fortinet virtual security patch goes a long yep. way to ensuring that even if you fail to detect that attack, even if you failed to detect the misconfiguration or fail to detect that that device was not patched, having a virtual security patch on that internal segment of firewall goes a long way towards ensuring your success there. Are, are you seeing things like that? Yeah, and even beyond the, the virtual patching, which I'm also a big fan of, but just that notion of getting your segments in place. Because look, we hear it all the time. Somebody was going through an upgrade cycle, and so they'd moved from protect to monitor mode. And yes, there was security in place, but it had, you know, configuration had been changed. Or yeah. something new came on to the, the network or whatever, you know, an exception was created or 
the list goes on and on. Look, we know things are going to happen and they're going to happen for reasons that at the time kind of make sense. And so being able to just have that natural containment in the form of segmentation in place, just it limits, limits the blast radius back to your earlier, you know, nomenclature of what, you know, certainly can happen for any number of reasons. Yeah, I, I, I think the delta between the operator and the attacker is typically where these risks occur, right? So the operator works from the perspective of what should be happening in my environment, what my environment should look like, and the and the attacker operates from the perspective of what's really there because they've penetrated, they've compromised, and they know exactly what they're looking for. And so the ability to establish persistence is great, but I will bet my career that having compensating controls as a fail-safe goes a long way towards establishing reasonable care, which at the end of the day is the object of the exercise here. So, you know, one of the other questions that, that we're seeing is that the type of anomalous behavior in, in devices and people uh, during these events, because it's typically, you know, something that doesn't look right that should trigger the alert. Um, what are some of your uh, observations and experiences of little, since you and I last talked about how people are grappling with uh, anomalous behavior? Yeah, and then, you know, there's just so many different uh, aspects of the organization, especially with remote work and the cloud and all the things we've talked about in the past. And so, you know, here are, here are a few things that I'll see as no-brainers. And again, just my opinion for whatever that's worth, just leveraging that behavioral analytics, if you will, of a sandbox to look at the way things actually run in a contained environment rather than the way they might look when they're dormant in transit. That seems a no-brainer. They're often cloud-delivered. They're increasingly included in subscriptions. You may not even know you have access to it, but I'd be certainly uh, looking closely at that for the weaponized payload attempting to get into the organization, number one. And then number two, on the other end of the spectrum, especially when we're talking about ransomware, look, the behavior have to has to exhibit itself on the end device itself, server, or PC, what have you in order to handle the encryption function. And so having good, strong behavioral based, at least uh, you know, monitoring, if not controls there, makes really good sense to me, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I think from, from my perspective, I work a lot on zero trust. And so when you look at the pre-access indicators of, of trust, and then the post-access indicators of risk, right? That the focus on the continuous assessment of risk based upon behavioral-based detection. So I, I want to see: does that device perform as expected? Does that look like that's Jonathan Nguyen on that particular endpoint? And then assess over time what looks anomalous, right? So the first part about detecting, you know, what's anomalous is understanding what normal looks like. Sure. And, and I, I, I will tell you that I've seen lots of situations where security teams do not know what normal looks like because they have a very disaggregated um, architecture. Mm -hmm. uh, technology some multiple vendors, vendors that are not integrated, and so you don't have that that persistent viewpoint. So you know we're we're running out of time because time flies when we're talking <laughs> security. Um, you know, if there were one recommendation that that you're you're seeing that resonates, that's effective, that 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 you'd like to share with the audience, what would that be right now? Just that there, there are people that can help. We understand everyone's busy. I'm busy, you're busy, our customers are busy, our partners are busy. There's just not enough time in the day, understandably so. But the reality is that there, there are resources that can help to augment, whether they're coming out of the labs group that you'd mentioned earlier on or from the service provider partners that you know 
are adept in a lot of these very sophisticated technologies. And the really nice thing that I like is that more and more we see that you can consume security on a consumption basis. So I understand it can be hard to ask to make a big upfront investment in time and money and people. Fair enough, but that doesn't need to be a roadblock now. You can consume a lot of these either technologies or even people on an ongoing basis. So every day that you've reduced risk, you pay a bit of price for that rather than having to take the leap of faith and write the big check up front. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, one of the biggest insights that I've seen is when it comes to ransomware, and that's what everyone's asking about today, is that what's your risk profile? And if you, if you really believe that you're going to be targeted by the intelligence organizations of a nation state or by organized crime that's going to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for an instance of true zero uh, day attacks, there's no way to stop that. Everyone agrees that what you need to do is build resilience. What I will tell you that you should be wor worried about are the high frequency known threats, right? Mm -hmm. The 99% the of known exploits that, that happen every day. And I will tell you that a rigorous approach around fundament, security fundamentals and hygiene, things that we just talked about, goes a long way towards addressing those threats. And then I think that given that you may not be able to defeat a true zero day that was developed by hundreds, thousands of, of threat actors in the mm -hmm. dark web, then think about resilience, right? Think about defense in depth, thinking of, think about backup, think about restoration capabilities that are aligned to your business processes. I think that's a much more effective way of spending your time and money. And you know, that's what, what a lot of folks are telling me worked for them, especially during this, this last attack over the July 4th weekend. Any last words from you, David? No, just uh, everybody have fun. Enjoy. Be safe at Black Hat. And I sure hope I see you next year. <laughs> well, I'll definitely see you. Hopefully not not, not, not in Vegas uh, during the middle of August. But all the same. Uh, with that, another session of Fortinet Live comes to a close. My name is Jonathan Nguyen. Our guest today is David Finger. Thanks for your time today and have a great week.